Hi, I'm Ellen Dupuy, KSFR2. The following show was recorded live at the Opposite Bookstore in Santa Fe, New Mexico, with your host, Jane Toganaga. Here am I, begging for only five minutes more. Five minutes more. Welcome, one and all, to Nichols Stories at the Opposite Bookstore. Yeah. Our next reader uh, is Mario Gonzalez. Mario is going to be reading Need. It's, it's a story of um, a couple, and uh, they're a plan. They're uh, they're addicted to drugs, and uh, they're addicted to pills, particularly. And this is a story of their plan to get some drugs. And so we sort of come in in the middle of it. With our time handicapped, Ray is forced to strategize. Under a cloud of Bali high cigarette smoke, Ray grabs hold of an idea, a quite simple one, really. I should submerge my hand in ice, and as things go numb, jam my fingers between a door and its frame, thereby fracturing bone into loose and jumbled bits. This, he explains, is the quickest way to the emergency room and prescribe painkillers. In spite of our growing desperation, I object. Wait a minute, Ray, listen. Think this through. Let's instead steal from a pharmacy, from our families. Let's sneak into a senior center with sharpened sticks and violence in our voice. Let's break into a vet's office and take horse tranquilizers, ginger-flavored rhino horn, cobra anti-venom from Sri Lankan tea plantations. Let's raid a cemetery, exhume the bones of the dispossessed, and crush them into fine powders, mainlining their marrow. I say this because although desperate, I'm not crazy. I understand then, I'm quite clear about and almost certain that it will fucking hurt. Hurt more, perhaps, than, than my ongoing need. Ray sees the humor in this and even manages a small laugh. But seriously, he says, seen beyond my bullshit. Something new is required. A sacrifice, baby, a sacrifice. On this one, he relies on instinct, his gut, as he calls it. This gut, the gut is a wise thing, an authority on most subjects, but evidently schooled in pain. Still, in this case, it will take more than a consultation with his midsection to bring me to harm. Ray knows this and proceeds with the slippery tone of a televangelist to murmur for our love. This is absolutely unfair as it makes self-mutilation seem wholesome, like an act that will purify me and my brackish soul. I fail to ask myself the most obvious of questions. When did our love turn so demented? And even more to the point, why me? You have fucking hands too, Ray. And I know I must think clearly, must be reasonable. Sadly, at this point, my mind resembles a wide-spanning canyon where thoughts just echo, bouncing wildly against thick, bony walls. Among these echoes, one stands out. This will not happen because we will not go that far. Although Ray holds my hand, concentrating on the valley of of my palm, outlining the thin and thickening lines crisscrossing its landscape, although his lips reach my fingers, delivering the gentle warmth of a childhood dream, although he kisses my skin, erasing the ten years between us, although I cry yes in a way that tells me, the internal me which is disengaging, but still bothers to make an appearance now and then, that ultimately we will not go that, go that far. We do. We do go that far and further, since it does happen, and it's no longer an idea spun by one Um, two people, each in need of chemical right now, this very fucking second, until, of course, demand for another hit strikes, which will come very soon, too soon, in fact. But who gives a shit about that? We need now, and now is a time 
where need resides. So action is vital, and Ray has the plan and the balls to make it happen, and I am just there. I have the body with hands made of bones that break, given enough applied force. More importantly, I have the will to say yes, or the lack of will to say no. Either way, it happens. In which case I know, or have convinced myself because I must, that there's a, a greater good, a common goal that I and my lover share. And anyway, tell me, where would I be without Ray or my need for him, his attention, his concern, his need for me? Where would I be? Ray grabs the door handle. As Ray grabs, grabs the door handle, something lodged in my proto-brain freaks. Run now, remove yourself from harm, it howls. And I begin to back away, saying, no, Ray, please, no. But he, too, is working primordial. Calm the fuck down, bitch. And his version is more primitive, more ongoing, more resourceful, fixed lower on the evolutionary scale of fear and aggression. He, having anticipated my last-minute hesitation, he easily overcomes any of my nonsense by pushing me to the floor and placing his weight against mine. In this position, he slams the door once, twice, three times. That should be enough, he thinks, since he stops there. Ray says nothing. He doesn't have to, because action was needed and words are a poor substitute. They are simply unfit for our mission, creating a future where we're high together, the best kind of high, the only high there is or should be. They break. Some minor bones do. I'm guessing because I can hear nothing over my screams, or something screams and it sounds like me. But since my descent is nearing rock bottom, I hardly notice, and yet fully realize, my memory owns this moment. And without a doubt, once my hand is sandwiched between the door and its frame, pain is there. It's in my body, of course. It's lived there for ages, long before Ray came on the scene. What I mean to say is that it's in the room, too. It's in the overstuffed couch that absorbs the urgency of my scream. It's in the picture hanging from the wall, the one that represents art as a bowl of waxy and edible fruit. And it's in the burnt linoleum floor that has borne the weight of babies' knees, seniors in their wheelchairs, cats' paws, men's boots, women's heels, and even lovers in their beds, the rhythm of their past fighting, past fucking fucking pressed deeply against the floorboards. Now the floor, the walls, the furniture, the whole room bears the unbearable weight of me and my need. Five minutes more, only five.